Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Podcast by Committee. I'm Nando DeFino, and with me today, we're going to talk some Green Bay Packers with Matt Schneidman. You can follow him at Matt Schneidman, S-C-H-N-E-I-D-M-A-N. Matt, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So uh, I guess, well, you know, I got a billion questions for you about this team. It's it's kind of fun, actually, when when Michael Beller, the producer, and I were going through the shows. Um, you know, in years past, it's kind of just been not a boring, but like, you know, it's it's we know what's going to happen with the Packers kind of year in and year out. And this year, it's just like crazy. So um, I hope you're ready for a billion questions about this team. You're I'm ready. Right now. Let's do it. All right. Uh, I want I want to start with Matt LaFleur. And I, I think that's that's where you kind of have to with this team. Um, as kind of like the biggest change in philosophy and roles and just a fresh regime coming in after so long with Matt McCarthy. Um, can you, and this is just a wide open question. Can you just tell us everything you know about Matt LaFleur and uh, and his tendencies and what's going to happen this year? Just just very generally before we get into the players and their roles and stuff. Yeah, well, I think obviously the main thing everyone's talking about is his relationship with Aaron Rodgers and whether Rodgers will have uh, more authority over the play calling than LaFleur, whether uh, they'll get along personality-wise because of how his uh, relationship with Mike McCarthy ended, or reportedly ended, I should say. What we know about Matt LaFleur, he likes to run the wide zone scheme, the run game, and that will play heavily to uh, – the, the skills of guys like Aaron Jones, guys who can catch out of the backfield, the Jamal Williams. Um, that's what we know about what he does in the run game. What we know about the pass game is he, he likes to have Aaron Rodgers make plays from the pocket. He likes to run up to the line of scrimmage. We haven't seen a lot of no huddle in camp, but run up to the line of scrimmage quickly, snap the ball before the defense is allowed to get set, and make plays from the pocket. As we all know, Aaron Rodgers might be the best quarterback of all time when it comes to making plays off schedule and out of the pocket. Mike McCarthy practiced making plays off schedule. He did that intentionally. We haven't really seen that. You don't want to take that away from Aaron Rodgers' game, but I think in Matt LaFleur's passing offense, at least, there will be a lot more making plays from the pocket and not the, you know, off schedule stuff that Aaron Rodgers has has come to be known for. But so far, everything is going smoothly with the with the LaFleur regime. I know he and Rodgers had the disagreement about the joint practices last week. I think that was a little bit blown out of proportion, but so far the the early returns on the Matt Lafleur Packers uh, are are pretty positive, and as they should be during the preseason. But we'll see how they are four games into the season. Um, you mentioned the the I guess the rift a little bit, and I, I didn't want to get too much into this because I think these shows kind of last for a few weeks, and I feel like in in a week or two weeks. This is just going to be, you know, water under the like. No one's going to care. Everyone's going to have forgotten about this because uh, they're just going to be like a well-oiled machine at that point, and you know, glowing reports. But um, I mean, to me, it's uh, just let me know if I'm wrong here, and I might be speaking on behalf of the fantasy community that it was, you know, Rogers just made a couple comments about something, and you know, they just took off because people just needed something to write about right now. It's it seems to me like if you're bringing in a coach and you have a franchise quarterback and this team is, you know, kind of close every year to making the postseason and making a run in the postseason, um, you're going to let that franchise quarterback have some kind of input on the coach. And, you know, you're just not going to hire the guy in a bubble. Um, is that, is that at all in the right direction or am I way off on that? And feel free to tell me if I'm way off on that because you're way more important yeah, this year I, than I, I am. I, I don't know how much influence Rogers had on the hiring process, but I do think that, he's gotten to a point in his career where he can say whatever he wants and not suffer the consequences or not pay the consequences that another younger unproven quarterback would have to pay. I mean, it was 
pretty direct the other day. Matt LaFleur said during his post-practice press conference that he was in favor of joint practices. He might want to do them again this offseason, certainly in the future, if he's still here. And then 20 minutes later, Rogers said, I don't like joint practices. I wouldn't mind if we didn't have another for another 14 years. And 14 years is the is the gap between the last joint practice the Packers had in 2005 and now. So, you know, people took that with what it is. But I also think that as a quarterback, you know, the Texans aren't going to show you anything on defense. And Rodgers wants to get more out of practice than what the Texans are going to show. So going against his own defense, he'll, he'll get that. So I think he's uh, justified in saying that he'd rather practice against his own team. Now, Matt LaFleur, he probably – uh, gets more out of a joint practice, seeing one-on-one matchups of his guys against other teams. So it's just in terms of a coach perspective and a player perspective. Both of them are justified in, in saying what they want. Um, but I think anybody and everybody are, are looking for the smallest disagreements to uh, to blow out of the water just because, you know, LaFleur is not that much older than, than Rodgers, only four years older. And, and that's the big storyline, obviously, because of how McCarthy and Rodgers ended their tenure together, but I don't think it's anything to be concerned about long-term yet. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, kind of related to LaFleur, uh, Nathaniel Hackett, and um, you being an SU guy, I think you just missed him actually when you were there, but Hackett, um, he's got a pretty good track record, but I, I have, I've had trouble separating what's Hackett and what's Doug Marone. Um, and then when you just throw Hackett into the mix with LaFleur, and LaFleur is kind of like, you know, the offensive mind who's going to be running this offense. Um, can you, do you have any indication, like what kind of role, A, I guess what kind of role Hackett's going to have in, in maybe calling plays or having some kind of say in what the plays are? And B, I guess, if Nathaniel Hackett was kind of behind a lot of this Jacksonville success and even the Buffalo run success, or if that was a Marone thing and Hackett is just kind of like a very good uh, you know, vessel of what the head coach wants to run. I would say more of that. It's kind of similar to uh, the situation when I covered the Raiders the past or last year, I should say. Um, well, two years ago when I covered the Raiders, it was Jack Del Rio as the head coach. He's a defensive guy. Todd Downing was calling the plays as the offensive coordinator. That was set in stone. Last year, John Gruden is the head coach. He's an offensive guy. Greg Olson's the offensive coordinator, but he's pretty much a quarterback's coach because John Gruden's calling the plays. And if a play goes wrong, Greg Olson gets no blame, even though he's the offensive coordinator. I think it's the same way here. Obviously, LaFleur and Rodgers are the two minds, you know, mainly determining what play is going to be run on offense. Hackett's not going to get any blame. I don't want to say he's just a quarterback's coach. He's still obviously a bright offensive mind in this league because of what he's done uh, in Buffalo and Jacksonville. I don't want to speculate about, you know, the dynamic between him and Marone and, and kind of what that was, but I would I would feel it was or I would guess it, it was more Marone. And obviously here it's going to be more LaFleur. You haven't seen any stories about Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers. It's all LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, and rightfully so, because LaFleur will be calling the offensive plays with the help of Rodgers. All right, so there's no, there's no point in even looking at what Hackett has done in his past to kind of draw some inspiration. This is just, probably, you know, good dude, smart guy, but this is this is the LaFleur offense, and it's going to be run through Hackett, basically. Yeah, I mean uh, – I wouldn't say it's useless to look at his past. I mean, obviously, he's going to bounce things off of LaFleur and some of his influence LaFleur might take because he likes it. So it's definitely useful to see where he comes from, the kind of stuff he's done in the past, the successes and failures he's had, 
So I wouldn't say his imprint on this offense is totally null and void, but uh, certainly Lafleur has has the last say. Okay, uh, one of our fantasy writers, uh, Chris Vaccaro, actually asked me, demanded that I ask you a question, but I think you kind of already answered it about the up-tempo offense. Um, but the second half of his question was, it had to do with Tennessee and how Lafleur ran things there. He was bottom five in football outsiders pace of play stats. Um, it was originally, you know, will they go no huddle, will it be an up-tempo offense? But I think the question now is, what happened last year? Like, was, was Lafleur just kind of, I guess, stuck running plays with the people that he had? And now he's in here and he's like, I'm the head coach. I'm going to do things the way I want to do it. Um, or is there there any kind of fear at all that he might just kind of drop back to that slow pace? No, I, I really think it depends on the personnel you have. And you look at the Tennessee Titans offense, I think Marcus Mariota is vastly overrated. I don't know if that's even possible anymore because, you know, he's been a pretty big disappointment. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers, obviously, you can do anything with him. You can run up tempo. You can slow it down. I think with this offense that they have, like I said, they haven't done much no huddle, but out of the huddle is when he wants to see the urgency getting to the line and snapping the ball quickly, not necessarily from play to play, but from huddle to snap. And and that's what he's stressed a couple times to us is that he is visibly frustrated after several practices with the urgency from the huddle to the snap. And, and like I said, that's kind of what this offense is going to be predicated on is getting from the huddle to the snap quickly, relying on Rogers instincts to, to call one of two or three plays that, that he has at his disposal and and try and catch the defense off guard and try and not allow the defense to line up quick enough and, and rely on Rogers to, to make that split second decision. So I wouldn't say it's going to slow down because I don't think that'd be smart if you have Aaron Rodgers and, and the kind of uh, awareness and, and quick decision-making ability he has at the line. I think it's going to be more so um, a, a high-paced offense, but from, from huddle to snap, not necessarily running up to the line without huddling and a play being called, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is, is it fair to say this is going to be a fun offense? Like, you don't think a Green Bay is a fun offense. Like, the way you're describing it now makes it sound like it's going to be high-paced, offensive-minded, and, and fun in a way. Fun to watch on TV. Yeah, I mean, I think it will be. That's what we've come to know about these offenses stemming from the Sean McVay coaching tree. And obviously, Matt LaFleur is another one of those. Um, We haven't really gotten to see it in San Francisco because Garoppolo was hurt. Uh, We'll get to see it maybe not in Cincinnati because they're just not a very good football team. But, you know, these offenses stemming from that whole kind of tree, obviously the Rams offense is really fun. Um and I think the Packers will be as well. I mean, how can it not be? Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say how can it not be with Aaron Rodgers because he's been the quarterback for the last, you know, decade plus. But um, I think with Aaron Jones, with uh, a better Jimmy Graham, with some more receiving depth, I think you're going to see some interesting things this year. Um, you know, I, I noticed something in your in your what to expect. Uh, you know, why I chose the athletic that that piece that everybody writes when they come here. Um, you just kind of casually dropped in. Aaron Rodgers hasn't looked like himself the past couple of years. And I, I wanted to, to open that up a little bit. Um, what, do, what are you looking like? What is it that we need to see for Aaron Rodgers to kind of look like himself that, that he hasn't been doing the last couple of years? Is that already is already cured? Are you already cool with like thumbs up? He's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I just said that because of his health. And, and two years ago, it was the collarbone that he fractured, I believe, against Minnesota. In week six, I want to say. I don't have it in front of me. But then last year, I mean, he's been open and saying his knee bothered him the entire season. 
and, and he got injured game one against Chicago, came back, obviously led a miraculous comeback from 20 nothing down, uh, but then re- re-injured himself in week five against Detroit, I believe. He's been injured the last two seasons, and obviously that's not the, the lone reason they haven't made the playoffs, but you know they're, they're facing a three-year playoff drought potentially for the first time since 1990 to 1992, and a, a healthy Aaron Rodgers is the first step to to making sure they, they don't reach that three-year playoff drought. And he's healthy right now. Um, he's been open in saying that last year he was nagged by injuries all year and obviously the year before. So uh, I think a healthy Aaron Rodgers will, will mean the playoffs for the Green Bay Packers. Matt, are you, are you a fantasy guy? I assume you are. You, you kind of have, have caught a couple of things here that make me believe yeah, <laughs> that, that you're one of us. Aaron Rodgers is number four quarterback going off the board in NFFC ADP. Um, is that t- after talking about this? Is that too low? I mean, could you make the case like, hey, you should be number one, man? Like Mahomes, fine, whatever. But maybe the people figured it out sophomore year. Luck, you know, he's kind of banged up right now. Deshaun Watson, everyone's going a little nutty for. Um, and then you get Aaron Rodgers, kind of Baker Mayfield, Matt Ryan. Are, should should more people be kind of saying Aaron Rodgers should be your number one quarterback this year? I don't know if number one. I mean, I, if someone were to take him number one, I wouldn't fault them for it. Um. You know, you can make a case for Mahomes. You can make a case for Breeze. You can make a case for even Brady. I mean, you could make a case that Aaron Rodgers could go number six and nobody would fault you. But I think those top five, six guys are, I don't want to say interchangeable, but, you know, you can make an argument for probably five or six guys to, to go number one. And I, I, I don't disagree with Rodgers going number four. I wouldn't disagree with him going number one. Gotcha. Okay. Um... So moving on, as, as you are a fantasy guy, probably the biggest conundrum, may, maybe one of the, the biggest in, in all of fantasy, is the running game. Um, but the way, I mean, the way you're talking very confidently about Aaron Jones um, it makes me seem like that, that's kind of been – I mean, there's the Jones-Williams back and forth. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, there's a good story you had about uh, – I think it was in a story? Or maybe – yeah, it was, it was a story about Aaron Jones. Um, you said that he's got – he went home and had these, these prep quarterbacks throwing him weird passes out of the right. backfield. So he can get ready for this system. Um, and he bought and he bought him. You know, you hear about these guys buying people, you know, watches and stuff, and he bought them smoothies. Um, but I mean, is is this is I, I don't know how to how to put this correctly for 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 what a fantasy player wants to know, but you know, is Jones gonna fit perfectly into this offense now that he's kind of upped this game, or is he just kind of like making an effort and there might be a bit of a learning curve early? I think if you're in a PPR league, and I know I'm getting fantasy here, but he's going to get a lot more touches in the passing game. He hasn't got that many the last two seasons in Mike McCarthy's offense, but a big thing Matt LaFleur's offense is predicated on is obviously using running backs outside the tackles and Aaron Jones more so than Jamal Williams. A can catch balls better and B is faster to get outside those tackles. And not only did Aaron Jones in 12 games last year, keep in mind, he's only played 12 games each of his first two seasons because of injuries and and a two game suspension to start last year. So He's healthy now, just came off a, a little hamstring tightness. So that's in the clear. Um, led the NFL with five and a half yards per carry last year. So we know what he can do on the ground. Now Matt LaFleur should be using him a lot more in the air. And with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, I think that would that would marry themselves uh, well for, for fantasy owners and people. That's why I think I would have to obviously look at a lot more teams and schemes and running backs around the league. But – 
from a bias perspective, because this is the team I'm around every day, I think Aaron Jones is a really good dark horse candidate just because of how Matt LaFleur plans to use him in the passing game. And they haven't been shy about that. They've said he's going to be used a lot more in the passing game. Like I said in my story, he's been working on his hands because he knows it. Even when he was injured, he was on the jugs machine on the side at practice. So, so I do think Aaron Jones is probably not a name most people uh, are, are listing with the likes of, you know, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara. But I, I think Aaron Jones could be a top 10 fantasy running back this year. Wow, really? Okay, so he's, he's sitting like 15, 16 now in that, that Fournette, Jones, Marlon Mack, Carrion Johnson area. Um, you're saying like elevate him up, right? Yeah. Get him in, like, like get him. Definitely. Uh, is, is this um, like, should we kind of just forget about the Jamal Williams factor then? Like, because that's kind of the reservations people have. Like, oh, Aaron Jones, you know, Jamal Williams there too and blah, blah, blah. So – is well, it just he's going to operate almost in a bubble and be unaffected? I think, well, one, Jamal Williams seems to be more of a, a between-the-tackles guy, and that's not necessarily what LaFleur's offense is. Also, Williams hasn't practiced since the second practice of training camp, so he needs to get healthy. He has a hamstring injury, whereas Jones just called his hamstring, quote-unquote, injury just tightness. So uh, Williams has to get healthy, and especially when they're installing this new offense, um, you got to get reps in it because you got to learn it. And I'm sure he's studying the playbook, but there's no substitute for live reps. Um, you know, Dex, Dexter Williams was Emory Hunt. He's, he's, a, he's our he's our resident scout. Um, I think he was one of his top five running backs in the draft this year. Um, but I, I saw you noted he's been dropping passes in practice. Um, is Matt LaFleur going to be the kind of guy who's like, oh, you know, grown, forget it. I don't want this guy on the team. Or is this something that he's like, all right, you know, give us a couple weeks, start catching those. And maybe it'll be, you know, Aaron Jones and Dexter Williams and uh, maybe Jamal Williams is the odd man out. Is, does that have a percentage chance of happening at all? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, obviously, as I just said, you got to be able to catch passes and be an outlier for the last two day, two practices that I've seen. But Dexter Williams has dropped uh, three pretty catchable passes. And in the in their first preseason game, he did run for, I believe, it was 62 yards on four carries. So almost four and a half yards a carry. I think right now he is the third running back. They don't really have anyone else. They have Trey Carson, a third-year guy out of Texas A&M. But I wouldn't be surprised if Jamal Williams can't get healthy, if Dexter Williams can fill that number two spot. If, But it's something I, I should also say that they have been working on him with is, you know, pass blocking. He hasn't really done that that well, and that's obviously the biggest thing for running backs in the NFL that, that they have to be able to do. So with some growth, I think he can definitely become that number two guy. But – I wouldn't. I wouldn't be be rushing to draft him. Uh, let's let's move on. Um, I think we have the running backs figured out. It seems like you're very bullish on Jones. I would assume everyone will listen to you and take him maybe just a little higher. I think he's. Last I checked, Aaron Jones at like 31 overall ADP, um, which would put him, you know, second third round. So maybe jump him up. Consider him a little earlier, especially in PPR. Uh, the, the other kind of weird situation, not weird, but kind of wide open. Uh, the wide receivers. You know, you've got Devontae Adams. But after that, man, it's it's just kind of like throw them up and see where they land, I guess. There's Geronimo Allison, people like people like Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Um, last year, the whole story was there were just a billion rookie receivers there who could make an impact. And um, at the end of the season, very quietly, I think when a lot of people weren't paying attention anymore, uh, Jake Kumro had a 68-yard touchdown game, and he's still around. Um, how, how do you think this is all going to shake out? Is, is Allison the number two? Is Scantling the number two? Is there going to be a kind of a different number two every week. There's there's not really a lot to tell from LaFleur's offense in Tennessee 
how this might play out. But um, have you seen anything? Do you have any indication? Yeah, Allison's going to be operating mainly out of the slot, and and he'll if they start in a three wide receiver formation, it'll be him in the slot, and then Valdez Scantling on the outside. I think Kumaro would probably be that number four receiver behind those two and Adams right now. He's made some really nice plays. Um, I also we keep an eye on a guy named Darius Shepard. He he's really the only natural slot guy on the team, undrafted rookie from North Dakota State. If we're going super sleeper. Um, he's obviously not a lock to make the team or, or he might not even make the team, but uh, I think he's a, a dark horse guy. But yeah, I, obviously Adams, super productive, one of the best fantasy options at wide receiver in the league. And then Valdez Scantling currently uh, opposite him on the outside, then Geronimo Allison in the slot. I'm writing down Darius Shepard right now. we got a running list uh, like Dontrell Hilliard. Uh, Chris Godwin, Jalen Samuels. We're putting Darius Shepard on the list from the shows that we've been doing. <laughs> put, the, put that name down and remember that one for some of the best balls. Um, I, I was looking up some stats uh, when I was I was actually studying a little Jimmy Graham, and I know you mentioned him earlier. Uh, you know, I, I can't – I honestly cannot tell if Jimmy Graham is getting a bad rep and people are, are kind of sleeping on him or if, you know, kind of he is what he is. But he still had 89 targets last year. Um, he was still 12th in red zone targets, according to uh, Fantasy Data, our partner here. He had 10 targets. He's only 32 years old. I think I think people are treating him like he's 36, 37. Um, it, it's, I mean, the numbers are kind of there. I mean, he didn't have a 700-yard season, but that's still he was still like a top 15 tight end. And you, you add some more regression touchdowns in there. And I assume – I want to get to this in a minute, the red zone stuff, but just focusing solely on Jimmy Graham – um, is are you seeing anything that, that would make someone optimistic and be like, hey, look, Jimmy Graham, no one's talking about him, but in this offense, he's something? Uh, or is this just, you know, another not 100 target, not 700 yard season for him? There hasn't been much. I, I mean, hype is very media generated, so I don't want to say there hasn't been much hype, but I think you have to have higher expectations coming off a season where he only caught two touchdowns. I mean, that's not the, the red zone dominant tight end that we came to know in Seattle and new Orleans from him, I would certainly expect more red zone production. They, they need it from him. I mean, he's their second best red zone threat besides Devontae Adams. Um, he's looked good so far. He's healthy. Uh, he really likes what this offense does. I wouldn't say Matt LaFleur's offense caters uh, to tight ends, but I would certainly expect more production from him. If only because you can't get any worse than two touchdowns from a, a guy like him with the pedigree and skill set that he has. You sound like a 2018 Jimmy Graham owner. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be. Yeah, I was a 2017 Jimmy Graham owner. <laughs> I was Jimmy Graham owner for many, many years. And uh, I don't know, man. Like, I, there's a little special place in my heart for him. And you, so I'm going through the red zone stuff. And uh, Aaron Rodgers completions, 31 uh, in the red zone, were 21st last year. But his 73 attempts were 10th. He had 16 passing touchdowns that put him 17th, which tied him with Andy Dalton, who only played in 11 games. Um, is it like, is there just like a little extra focus to be like, we got to fix these red zone issues from last year, or is that just going to cut him naturally with the offense? Absolutely. Um, there's been a lot of obviously red zone emphasis in practice. It hasn't always been great, but the last practice they had on Sunday, Rogers, I believe had seven passing attempts in the red zone. Five of them went for touchdowns and he ran for one himself. So I think that's more along the lines of what they're looking from. Obviously, it's in a no-tackle period against their own defense. But guys like Geronimo Allison and Devontae Adams are making ridiculous catches, and, and they can do that. Those guys have really good hands, and 
He also threw a touchdown to Jimmy Graham, one to Jay Kumro. I think like the fifth string running back even even made a one-handed grab. They're starting to rectify these red zone issues. And, and like I said, it, a healthy Rodgers. I, I read a story in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel yesterday he, where, where Rodgers said, really, it, he was throwing the ball away a lot last year just because he didn't have that much trust in his in his knee or his body because he was injured. And, and now I think you'll see him extend a lot more here because he's healthy. And especially in the red zone, I think that will lead to more touchdowns. All right, Matt. Um, so I got you to, I think you've done enough for us now. I know you got to run and get to, and get to a press conference. Um, <laughs> so uh, I want to, I want to wrap it up with a, uh, with a really quick thing. We do getting to know the beat writers, um, Let's do it. you know, uh, we, we actually sent you the question in advance. You're like, I'll take all of them. So we're just going to I didn't even read them. To be honest with you, I didn't even read them. I'm ready. Uh, number one, what's the last show you binged? The last show I binged was Prison Break. Wow, really? Like yeah. just recently, right? No, uh, it was like two years ago. All right. Uh, number two, you're 15 years old again. Who's your celebrity crush? Megan Fox. Number three, what's your go-to Gatorade flavor? My go-to Gatorade flavor is blue. Number four. Oh, that's a color, though, but I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> Number four. Uh, what was your favorite cartoon when you were growing up? Ooh, SpongeBob. Number five. Uh, what's your favorite non-NFL team? The New York Yankees. Nice. Uh, Number six. Have you ever egged anything or anyone, I guess? Uh, no, I have not. I don't believe you. But number seven, <laughs> is is your toilet paper going over the top or under? Over the top. Number eight, uh, are you fiction or nonfiction when you're reading books? And then you can throw your best book in there too, please. I, I think the last book I read fully was my freshman year of high school, and that was a fiction book, so I'll go fiction. Okay, all right. Uh, number nine, someone cool has five hours to spend in your city. What do you tell them to do? Oh my God. Well, I moved to Green Bay like two weeks ago, so I probably wouldn't. Okay, so... <laughs> Let's I'm, go Bay I'm... Area since you're. <laughs> Bay Area. Okay. Uh, I would tell them to take a bike ride across the Golden Gate Bridge. Number 10, are you a bus guy or a train guy? Train. All right. Uh, Matt, thank you so much, man. This is, this is, uh, this is really cool. And I'd like, I'm, I'm honestly going to move Aaron Jones up my personal cues uh, based on just talking to you on this stuff. I appreciate that. I hope I, I hope uh, that suggestion pays off and I don't disappoint. Well, if it, you know, we'll just have you back right around week 14 for your comeuppance show and we'll, we'll talk about things then. Excellent. But I got a good feeling, man. You, it's, it's, it's awesome to have this insight. Um, thanks again for doing this. By the way, you can follow Matt at Matt Schneidman on Twitter, uh, S-C-H-N-E-I-D-M-A-N. Wait, did I, I said that too fast. I got it right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Sorry, man. <laughs> Sometimes I go a little okay. too quick and transpose them. Uh, follow Matt. Check out his uh, his writing. You can just Google his name or search his name in the in the athletic system, and uh, and it'll show up his entire archive. So you can read all the preseason stuff. That's been really good. All about Aaron Jones catching passes from high schoolers uh, and giving them smoothies in return. Um, Matt, thanks a lot, man. We'll continue to read and follow and uh, and just get some more insight from the Packers on you. But thanks for doing the show, man. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Appreciate it. Thank you.